Welcome to the Liberty Room. That's right, the Liberty Room, where conservatives can speak their minds with all the freedoms guaranteed by our beloved Constitution. The Liberty Room with me, the one, the only, the Jim Wood. And then sitting next to me, my friend, my brother, my fellow American red, white, and blue patriot, that high-flying tall drink of how-do-you-do, Dwight. So for the next hour or so, strap in, hold on, but don't hold back when you're hanging with us in the Liberty Room. I'm going to hit the ground running. I ain't holding back on nothing today. I'm pissed. What are you pissed about now? Well, uh, we've got a local teacher. It's gone rogue around here, and uh, I've been fired up for a week now. You have been. If you listen to Wednesday with Jim, yeah. that was very fired up. Yeah, well, and it's it's it just seems like that fire's just been stoked and kept going and kept going because, you know, it's, it's not only cheating our children, but it's also uh, dumbing down our society, and I've had it. I've had enough of it. Have you have they crossed the line for you so far? long time ago? Long time ago, yeah. A long time ago, but this is the same as child abuse to me. Yeah, yeah. It is child abuse when you have a teacher in a classroom who's spending the entire class period, you know, uh, tirade uh, in a tirade against one of our former presidents, no matter who it is. That's right. Just happens this time it's forty five, and people can believe me if they want to. They don't have to believe me. I don't give a damn. But if they're sitting there bashing Joe Biden, if they're bashing uh, 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 Barack Obama or Lyndon B. Johnson or whoever it is, I'm still going to have the same reaction. That is not your job as a teacher. Their job as a teacher is to teach the children to think critically. That's it. It's not to pontificate what your opinion is. Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, whether you like Joe Biden or Donald Trump or George Bush or Barack Obama, it doesn't matter. Your job is to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's it. Three Every, R's. Everything else is for the parent to teach their child. Exactly. Exactly. You know, let me take a breath here real quick. Holy cow, because I'm just, everything's upside down, topsy-turvy, back and forth. I, I, I need to make sure you... <laughs> In the new studio, you finally hit the right button. It's a wolf sound. How do you like that? Yeah. All right, the wolf's going to slow down his howl, He'll howl here real quick. Uh, to welcome everybody to the Liberty Room. Yes, welcome everybody to the Liberty Room I with Jim and Dwight. Uh, the, the two of us here together again. I didn't mean to really kind of start off in that tirade of a rant, but sometimes I'm, you know, I just can't help myself. You got to do know? what you got to do. You do. And and we just want everybody to know how much we appreciate that you are downloading and, and listening to the Liberty Room right now. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Yep. Um, that way you can take the Liberty Room with you wherever you go. And also you'll get those updates as to when... The new episode of the Liberty Room comes out weekly on Fridays around lunchtime, if I'm not mistaken. A little before. I tend to release it around 11 o'clock All right. because it takes time for our our podcast provider, yes, our distributors, yeah, to give it to the providers, yes, and so 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 that it's out by noon. It, I actually release it a little bit earlier. So if you listen on Spotify, or you listen on Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or Anchor, or, or you know, uh, Castbox, or whatever provider that you're listening to it on, um, usually by lunchtime you should have access to it. So hit that subscribe button so you get those notifications regularly. Mm-hmm. So you can go ahead and immediately download and. And uh, get the the latest earful from me and my friend Dwight. So you know, I took our podcast today on the road. Did you really? I did. I, I drove down to Rockbridge County for a little bit, and I was listening to Glenn Beck on the way down, and yeah. that show ended. And all of a sudden, the Liberty Room started up automatically. 
Really? It was our latest episode. I listened to that episode all the way to Amherst County and while I was in Lynchburg and on the way back home from Lynchburg. And I'll tell you what, whoever does the Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight, those two guys are fantastic. (laughs) But I will say this, I get into Augusta County today. Yeah. Went to visit the headquarters there to drop off some stuff. And uh, I'm talking to uh, two of the ladies there who are working the, um, uh, working the, the headquarters. Yeah. And one of them recognized me and she goes, I, I know your name. <laughs> and I said, okay. And she goes, don't you do an internet show? I said, as a matter of fact, I do <laughs> with my buddy, the Jim Wood. There you go. And she instantly knew who you were. Well, of course. I mean, you know. And so I started talking about the podcast to her. And um, I said, you know, and she's like, well, I need, I need to start listening to you. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you go to thelibertyroom.com? Very good. Thelibertyroom.com. And if, and if our listeners go to thelibertyroom.com, what they will find there is a link to thejimwood.com. How about that? So they go to thelibertyroom.com to get a link to thejimwood.com. Yeah. Okay. Where you can find links to how to download our podcast, how to listen to Jim on Wednesdays. It's all right there. That's and a beautiful thing. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's a one-stop shop. <laughs> and it's all the, 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 from the brain power, the brainchild of our fearless leader, our general, the Lord Reverend, the Jim Wood. <laughs> Present and accounted for. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, my brother. <laughs> Here we go. There we yeah. go. There we go. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know, and and today, it we we cover a lot of topics. We do. Um, and in the past, we've done a two part uh, podcast episode on uh, the education system in America with Milton Dewey. With no, not Milton. Come on. I know you really like Milton Dewey. He seemed like a nice person. But what did Milton Dewey do? Milton Dewey the do? The Dewey Decimal System. He created the Dewey Decimal System, which is a good so thing. So therefore, we have nothing but. Thanks for, well, yes. for us folks who are old enough to know how to go to the card catalog in the library and use the Dewey Decimal System. Wait, wait. Is that like your Rolodex that you pulled out earlier and showed me all the phone numbers from your previous life? Just as antique. Yes. All right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so we owe many thanks to Mr. Uh, uh, Milton Dewey. That's right. The, the creator of the Dewey Decimal System. Most kids now, they just go to Google. So, um, yeah, so, but we, uh, some of us folks, uh, that's got a little mileage on us and who have used many times the Dewey Decimal System. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Milton. Thank you, Milton. But who we're not going to thank, though, is John John Dewey, Dewey. who is still to this day considered the father of American education. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, because once you do your research and you understand that um, the National Education System, uh, which started off as a teacher's association, started in 1857. Um, who grew to about 3,000 members, ended up going to the United States government in the year of our Lord, 1900. Wow. The year of our Lord. 1900. Very good. Well, I figured, you know, you would say it kind of in the time and dialect that you would have said it. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to be a little, you know, honest to the era. Being formal for a hillbilly. How do you like that? Yeah. Pretty good. I could have said back 1900. See, that's more like it. Yeah. You think so? Yeah. 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 That that suits you a little better. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, but in the 30s, uh, John Dewey took over as president of this organization after they had about 30 years of um, practice and and uh, um, uh, and ability to ingrain themselves in the U.S. government under the guise of they wanted to standardize our education system. Right. 
All right. So when John Dewey came in, he took it over in basically its infancy, even though it was, you know, 30 years into doing, uh, putting their policies and protocols together. Um, and people didn't realize, well, they did, but they didn't look at it the way we look at it now, especially since we've had so long to see how it has uh, evolved. But he did it as a, um, as a Russian sympathizer, mm-hmm. as a communist sympathizer and uh, who studied socialism and was a big fan of Lenin and brought in people from Russia in order to help set up the, what they called the standardized education system in America. And we talked about this in this, in this two-part podcast. So if you haven't uh, downloaded it yet, you need to go download it and check it out because we learned a lot in that period of time. Yes, we did. Um, as we were getting ready for that show. Um, in the meantime, we've met uh, some folks who are a lot more have a lot more expertise in the field. Uh, most recently, uh, a young lady by the name of Morgan McCown, who was down in Rockbridge County, yep. where um, yeah, where you were at earlier today. She is actually running for uh, a, an elected position down there. She's going to be on the well. We hope and we plan and we work towards to get her elected to the Kerr's Creek area of the uh, Rockbridge County School Board. How do you actually pronounce that area? Curse Creek. There you go. Yeah. So make sure we do it properly. Well, that's Southwest Virginia hillbilly. That <laughs> Central Virginia hillbilly might be a little different, but from from my from my end of the mountains, it's Curse Creek. Well, see, that's how I hear it pronounced all the time. Yeah. As a as a northerner, uh, from, is that what it is? Yeah. As a northerner, it's to me, it's Curse Creek, like Steve Kerr. Yeah. Who coaches the Golden State Warriors? Yeah. Not Cars Creek. How are you saying? Cars Creek. Cars Creek Queek? or whatever. Creek. How are you all saying? Yankee, you're just embarrassing yourself. I maybe I am. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. La- last battle of the Civil War was fought in what state? Does it matter? California, there, California boy. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. That was two hundred years ago. I know, but you know, people don't really know their history. They don't okay. know that. Well now we do. Yeah. Move on. It was so far out west they didn't know the war was over. <laughs> True. True story. Really? Yeah. Um Wow. Anyway, so um she is a a, a teacher. Uh, a certified teacher who has also um, took it upon herself and actually became quite the expert in critical race theory and some of the other indoctrination uh, uh, tactics that is going on in our school system now. And she will be joining us uh, here in a couple of weeks here on the Liberty Room. And I can't wait till you guys get to uh, hear what she has to say directly from her. Um, it's all because she texts you and not me. And you've set this whole thing up. I'm feeling kind of left out, but that's okay. I'll, I'll get over it. I know. You are the wolf. You are the alpha dog over here. The new studio set up here, uh, I'm closer to the buttons now, so we might be safer. Um, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. One person did tell me that when I hit the uh, the gunshot button last time, yeah. it scared them. Oh, well. Because I had the volume turned so far up. Yeah. So you may have to really control those buttons. That's all right. You know, it's good to keep people on their toes. That's right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, you know, so we, we've we've met a lot more people since we talked the last time, mm-hmm. and it just seems like every time we get into, uh, you know, groups of people or at committee meetings and stuff, one of the main topics that come up is education. And then I get, um, uh, so we're kind of known in this area as somebody who's kind of took it upon ourselves to to do the research and meet the right people and and kind of help guide things along, not necessarily guide things along, but advise people when they want to know what to do and or at least put them in, in touch with the people. We're not, we don't know it all, but we know people like Morgan McCown who we can go, hey, you know, I know this lady who can answer that question for you. That's right. Um, so I got a, a ton of, of phone calls and, and, and text messages and stuff uh, earlier this pa- earlier this week um, here in our town. Um, and if you watch Wednesdays with Jim, you saw my tirade on this. But we had a teacher at the local middle school, seventh grade, 
who spent the entire class period berating Donald Trump. It came up early in the class, something about the China virus, and she started throwing a fit over the China virus that virus because that was a racist term made up by a racist president who was a Nazi worse than Hitler and spent the entire class period ranting and raving against 45. And then it didn't just it, it wasn't just a passing thing. It was the entire at the seventh grade, they have a period of time halfway through the class where they take a bathroom break. They took the bathroom break. They come back from the bathroom break. She picks up right where she left off and actually took it even further into the Nazi talk. It's unreal. Anybody as a parent whose kid goes to public or private school who have a teacher that goes into that kind of ranting and raving with their own private opinion, we've seen it on social media time and time again. Some of them have been fired for it. Some of them have been applauded for it. Well, when you texted me about that teacher... Yes. And I've said before, my, my son goes to that school. Um, I texted my son and I said, uh, do you know who this teacher is? He said, yeah. I said, well, do you have her for your history class? He said, no, he has somebody else. I said, okay. I said, well, I want you to be on the lookout because I, if any of your teachers start teaching this crap, such as critical race theory, that there's white privilege that has to go away, <laughs> okay, that Trump was a racist that Joe Biden is, you know, a bad president or whatever. I want to know about it because I am going to go all scorched earth. I've had enough of this stuff. And am, am I, is this a threat? No, it's not a threat. I'm saying what I'm going to do though. Okay. I'm going to go down to that school. I'm going to talk to that principal and I'm going to call up the superintendent of the school system and we're going to have a chat because this stuff, there's no room for it in our public education. No, I don't send my child to school to hear this stuff. They get enough of it at my, at, at my house with me yelling at the TV. Yeah. Okay. But that's my job as a parent is to educate my child in politics, religion, heck, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, as I've said before. Yep. It's the job of the teacher to teach reading, writing, and arithmetic. That's it. Yeah. Not to hear their opinion. You teach the child how to think critically. That's all. Nothing else. If that teacher wants to go to the local committee meetings, be it Democrat, Republican, uh, constitutional, uh, what was that one? Liberation. Yeah, liberation you know, libertarian. Doesn't matter. If that teacher, as a citizen of their community, wants to go to those meetings and wants to do their part for their party, no matter who it is, I applaud that. Right. Absolutely. I put on that army uniform for for years to to maintain the right for people to speak their mind however they like. Whether it agrees with me or not, doesn't matter. So she can go be a, a an airhead Democrat if she wants to be, <laughs> you know. But don't bring it into the classroom. That's right. And then you're supposed what, to be as impartial as a judge exactly. in that classroom. Just right to teach the facts yeah. and nothing but the facts. Yep. But here's the problem though. If we are allowing teachers to teach our kids whatever they want, mm-hmm. then they should be not surprised when parents go ballistic when they find out about it. Yep. I mean, now we're being called domestic terrorists. If a, if a parent steps up and says, Hey, I don't agree with what you're teaching my child in school. Yep. I don't agree with what you're doing. Suddenly now we're the enemy. Yeah. You know, it's bad enough that Antifa is not a, a domestic terrorist. Uh-huh. BLM is not a domestic terrorist, uh-huh. but a pissed off parent who goes to a school board meeting and says to a school board member, we're going to, kick you out of office or we're going to vote you out. Suddenly yep. that's a violent threat. Yeah. 
Well, the violent threat can be whatever they decide to, as exactly. our Attorney General Merrick Garland has yes. just stated. Yes. You know, they want to, not only do they want to go into your bank accounts, if you put more than $600 in your bank account, mm-hmm. um, you know, they want to be able to define what hate speech is towards a teacher, towards these uh, the education system. But listen to this. This is from Reason.com. On Monday, Garland sent a memo to the federal law enforcement agency directing it to coordinate with the nation's 14,000 school districts. Of course, Uh he's talking about the FBI. Yeah. Okay. Um, This action comes after the Biden administration received a plea from the National School Board Association to protect schools from the, quote, imminent threat, unquote, of parents sending, quote, threatening letters and cyberbullying, end quote, school officials. The association considers such activities to be akin to, quote, domestic terrorism. (laughs) <laughs> this is what the, the National School Board Association wrote. This is the quote. As these acts of malice, violence, and threats against public school officials have increased, the classification of these heinous actions could be the equivalent to a form of domestic terrorism and hate crimes. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if a pissed off parent who threatens a school board member with losing their, their, their job, their position on the school board, Right. Why don't we just enact the Patriot Act on people now for any for any reason? There, there's no different in in them controlling speech, right. just like the vaccination passports. I saw. I read an article. I mentioned this on Wednesdays with Jim. Uh, uh, Wednesday night. That on what night? Wednesday night. Are you sure it was Wednesday night? It was most definitely Hump Day. Hump Wednesday night. Day. All right. <laughs> Trump Day. Trump Day. Yeah, Even better. Trump Day. Yeah. Um, no. Um, and it was an article that I read earlier this week of a uh, uh, concentration camp survivor from World War II, and he was drawing the parallels of everything that's happening now: the vaccination uh, restrictions, the uh, freedom of speech restrictions. Um, you know, the favoritism over these groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter over top of the average everyday citizen was drawing all these parallels, drawing how, how, how this compares so easily mm-hmm. um, to the things that was happening in Germany in the 1930s as the National Socialists took power and the things they did that led them into World War II. It was creepy. Sure. You get people, uh, uh, you know, I'm sitting there reading the article. And, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm getting all fired up and I'm getting all pissed off, you know, and I'm like, okay, I got to take a break. I, you know, this is, I'm, you know, I'm about to start howling here, you know, I'm about to <laughs> throw a fit, you know, because I, this man is doing his best to, to help us learn from our history and people just don't listen. You know, they think you're being a conspiracy theorist. No, this is exactly the same thing that happened in the 30s. And this man's laying it out for you with historical dates and facts that, that back up what he's saying. And then I go over to um, you know a social media platform. I go to over to TikTok, and the first video I pull up is a guy talking about. He says, "If um, you know if capital if socialism is so much better than capitalism, all these people that are coming from Central America, you got to keep in mind that it is the same distance from Central America to the United States as it is from Central America to Venezuela. Which direction is all the people going?" Oh, I know the answer to this one. Uh, you better get They're it right. They're coming northbound. Yeah. They're heading to capitalism. And there's a reason behind that. Yeah. even I mean, okay, you and I have talked about it. My wife is from Poland. Yes. Okay? She's been here since 97. Proud American, U.S. citizen, does not want to go back to Poland. Loves it here. Why? There's opportunity. There's a reason why her parents brought her and her brother over here. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because... 
they want to come to the U.S., there's more opportunity here. It's a better life for their family. It's it's better than what they could get over in Poland. And, and it's the same thing with these these migrants. I, you know, I'm going to call them migrants. I'm trying to be nice about this right now, but I'm, I'm going to get all, all pissed off and fired <laughs> up. But I understand they, they, they that a number of them want a better life for their family. Sure. Okay. They want to get out of whatever it is in their, that's happening in their country. They want to come here because they see more opportunity. But here's the problem. You have a problem in your country. Instead uh-huh. of fleeing from it, fix it. Yeah. There's a reason why with all the issues we have in America, like the CRT and the crap that's happening in our, in our school system, there's a reason why people like you and me, Jim, aren't just picking up shop and leaving. Right. We're trying to fix the problem in our place, that's in right. our area. Okay, right. it'd be easier for me just to quit my job, sell my house, and go move to Texas. Yeah. But no, you know what? I like it here. Yeah. I like my friends here, yourself included. Well, some days. You. You're welcome. Some days. Some days. Yeah, some days. No, every I'll, day. I'll take it. Every day. I, I love thee, Jim I'll, Wood. I'll, I'll, ta- I'll you, take it. You are one of my closest <laughs> friends, and if I had to pick up shop and leave, it would it would kill me. Yeah. You know, because we, we, we've developed this relationship over the past two years that, honestly, I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. At all. No, I'm serious. I, I kind of want a hug right now. Oh, I see, I see your, your eyes are kind of watering up there. But Get back on topic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 anyway. Um, um, uh, but it no, might be bad that I have the buttons. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, it'd be easier for us just to leave. Yeah. Well, my wife asked the same thing. We were talking about, uh, you know, before the, the polls kind of evened up in the McAuliffe-Yunkin uh, race, you know, we were just having that what if discussion and we were talking about what if, you know, McAuliffe wins. Mm-hmm. Now, my wife's parents live in East Tennessee. You know, um, uh, I love those folks dearly. Um, you know, they've been uh, good to me as if they were my own parents for many, many years. I would absolutely bend over backwards and do anything for them. Um, and, but they're getting older. And yeah. my wife was talking about, you know, um, if McAuliffe wins, are we going to move to Tennessee? No, no. I was born in Virginia. Virginia is my state. Virginia is my home. Mm-hmm. I will live and die in Virginia. Only, you know, it's if, if I leave, if you leave, if everybody leave, then they win. Yeah. And uh, I'm not wired that way. I'm not going to leave because of a problem. I'll make as many trips to Tennessee to help my in-laws as I need to. I'll drive sure. every day if I have to. Well, but, the, one, the, one reason I would, I would leave is, you know, like, you know, my parents, they're, they're getting older. And there's a part of me that wants to be closer to them. Sure. And right now, it's an eight, nine hour drive. And so it's hard for them. They, they really, to make that drive once a year is about what I can expect. Yeah. And with my job, it's hard for me to drive down there. So it'd be nice to be closer to them. Yeah. So that's why if we had to move, I'd do it for that. But it's too hot in Georgia. It, it's way too hot. Too, too muggy. Hot. Too, too hot I just, in Oh, no. And Texas is hot too. But, um, <laughs> but my point is that what yeah. I... If the school system went to hell in a handbasket here, does that mean I'm going to move? No. I'll take my kids out and homeschool them. Yeah. Okay, I'll find a private school. Which is happening more and more often. You're getting more and more resources out there right. for homeschool. Oh, yeah. Um, even, you know, we were talking about it Wednesday night, and my wife, she she was telling me about it too. Even places like Hillsdale College has now got curriculum and classes for homeschool uh, programs. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of those options out there. Yeah. But, you know, that still doesn't fix the problem. That yeah. doesn't fix these indoctrination institutes, which we have in Kate Collins Middle School in Waynesboro, Virginia. Right. You know, what, what, that, what that woman, her name is Laura Brooks, what she did is... Unacceptable. Unacceptable. And it's, it's behavior unbecoming of a teacher. It's not an adult thing to do. No. 
And, you know, uh, that's actually the first time I've used her name. But if she's going to if she's going to stand up and say this and do this in front of our kids, then she needs to be able to uh, answer for her actions to the parents of those kids. Yeah, she should be called out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, like I said before, I don't care which president it is, which party he's from, which affiliation he has. That is not not correct behavior. Mm -hmm. You are acting more like the child throwing a temper tantrum than the children who are there to learn. That's right. You know, and, and, and because of, you know, the, the Trump and uh, Biden election, because of people like Terry McAuliffe running for governor again in Virginia, these people feel emboldened that they can do this and there'll be no repercussions. Well, they also feel emboldened because for so long we've done nothing. Well, that's over with. I was listening today on the, uh, I think it was the Jesse Kelly show, Mm -hmm. uh, evening talk here locally. Um, and he was, uh, he actually spit the numbers out, the amount of, um, uh, people who are running for school boards across the country. And I made a comment on the show one night when we were doing the podcast on the Wednesday night show. Mm -hmm. Um, I made a comment about how I don't believe that teachers or administrators should be on the school board. Right. You know, and, uh, I have a friend who is on the Wednesday show in the conversation all the time, a, a dear friend her and her husband, both. Um, that uh, do gun classes with me, um, who is a retired teacher from the Detroit, Michigan um, uh, uh, school system. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a tough system. Dude, she needed combat pay. No nope. you know? <laughs> hazard pay, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And she's got stories that she could tell that'll curl your toes, mm. you know? Um, so, but she she disagreed with me. Well, we know the system. We know how it works. Well, that's how you, you know, you manipulate the system is when you take it over completely with no checks and balances. Right. You know, that school board is put in place so parents have a say-so. Exactly. And then we have people like Terry McAuliffe who stands up in a a gubernatorial debate and says he doesn't believe that parents should have the say-so and what the schools do to teach your kids. Is he the Democrat that's running? Can't you tell? So we shouldn't vote for him? Absolutely not. Okay. I'll keep that in mind when I go to the polls. You know, even, no, he's not the Democrat. He's the socialist candidate. He is the socialist. Yep. You know, if people, I don't know how many people know how tied into the Clintons he is. You know, he's a firm founding member of the Clinton Foundation. Well, there's Clinton money that put him in office in the first well, place. Well, he was part of Bill's chief of staff. He was, you know, part of his campaign staff, his campaign manager. Um, he is part of that, that secret society group that we mean you have talked about before. The secret society, (laughs) the secret is, you know, he's, you know, he, he has ties to Jeffrey Epstein. He has ties to the, uh, to Bohemian Grove. He has ties to all these. I know about Bohemian Grove. Yeah. Well, wherever Bill was, so was Terry. Yep. You know, we kind of, we kind of laugh and and call Ralph Northam King Ralph. Well, Terry McAuliffe is Dick Terry. Instead of dictator, yeah. See where I'm wow, going there? yeah, that, that was that was good. It kind of actually has a double meaning, but I'm yeah, gonna stick yeah, with the dictator. Terry. I, I got both. Yeah, yeah we're, we're good. Yeah, because <laughs> I, you know, I think on on Wednesdays with Jim, I called him a piece of crap or something. Except I don't think I said crap. Oh yeah, you, yeah, no. Yeah, that's exactly what I think of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have nothing good to say about Terry either. And on, honestly, he is the. Uh, Ralph Northam was the second coming of 
Terry McAuliffe. Well, he was Terry's puppet as lieutenant governor. Yeah. And since in Virginia you can't run for, for governor twice in a row, he put King Ralph in there long enough to hold his spot for Placeholder, exactly. Yeah, but it was the second was. coming of of, of, of of Scary Terry, as a scary, friend of mine, scary Terry. as our district chair, uh, John Massoud, calls him, Scary, <laughs> scary. Terry. <laughs> and, but it's true. He is scary because if this dude takes over Richmond like he intends to do, sure, Virginia is done. Oh, yeah. I mean, stick a fork in it. He is going to destroy this country even more than what Northam did. Even as much as what Biden is doing to the country as Absolutely. a whole. Absolutely. Right yeah, because he's he's part of that whole New World Order group. He's going to rule by fiat. Yep. Okay. He's going to force everyone to follow what he wants done. I mean, he's, he's going to he'll be a dictator just like what Northam is doing. Well, you know the 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 um, the I love Brandon Chance. Is that what it is? No, is it way to go, Brandon? I love Brandon. Oh no no oh no no it's um. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Are you sure that's what it means? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, we're all for Brandon. Yay, Brandon. Brandon, you are the man, whoever you are. <laughs> you had to turn your volume up real loud to hear that that's swear right. word, didn't you? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So, uh, and honestly, I made a comment at the range uh, uh, the other day. Uh, one of my clients, we were talking about about Virginia and how important Virginia is, and I said it's so important more than just politically; it's uh, important strategically. Yeah. And, and the guy looked at me and was like, "What are you talking about?" And I said, "Think back to the Civil War. Lincoln put federal troops in Maryland because Maryland's was Maryland was a Southern sympathizing state. If Maryland had a fail, if Maryland had went with the South, mm-hmm. that means the District of Columbia, Washington, mm-hmm. where the executive." Uh, lives in, in at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue would have been totally surrounded. That's true. So Virginia is very important strategically because there's a lot of people of an opinion that dark days are coming for the United States. Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent. Dark days are coming and they believe it too. That, that, to me, that that's just a foregone conclusion. I mean, it, it, I don't see this country getting any better. And I've said this before, not on this podcast, I've said it before to, to friends and family, but when Donald Trump became president in 2016, mm-hmm. okay, we were hemorrhaging yeah. as a country. Obama had destroyed this country. We had yep. absolutely no political will within the within the world. We were done. Yep. Okay. Bleeding like a, what does the military call it? A, a sucking open chest wound. Open chest wound. Okay. Sucking chest wound. Um, Trump comes in and to me, he was like the gauze pad. Okay. We stopped the bleeding temporarily. Yeah. And had we followed through on what he wanted to accomplish, there could have been a slight reversal yeah. for a while. Yeah. But this country has been going downhill for years. It has. And and, and as soon as as soon as Biden stole the election and became 46, we're back to bleeding like an open sieve. I mean, that's oh. what that's what it is. They just pulled pulled the pulled the bandage off. Yeah, they ripped it off. Yeah, you know, completely. And and keep in mind and and there was one statement that has stayed with me that that 45 said um, that will always stay with me, just in the same way that George Bush stood on that pile of rubble mm-hmm. after September 11th and said, I hear you, and soon the people who knock down these buildings will hear you. Man, I tell you what, I, you've heard me say that before. It fires me up just thinking about it. George Bush, there's a lot of things he did I didn't agree with. There's a lot of things about him now I don't like. Yep. But at that particular moment in time, I stood up my little in my living room, had both fists stuck up in the air yelling, hell yeah, USA. You know, he was the right person at the right time. Exactly. Yeah. And and Donald Trump made a comment one time. You said Kofefi? 
<laughs> yeah. Is that no, it? No, that's not it. Oh. Um, he, uh, he made a comment one time that will stick with me forever. He said, they don't, uh, he said, the, the, the liberals, mm-hmm. they don't want me. They want you. Yep. I'm just standing in the way. Yep. That's true. And I mean, you talk about words that go, that, that, that cut to the bone. He's exactly right, and he's telling you the truth in the simplest form. And, I mean, if that's not in your face it's about what's going on right now in America, then, uh, you know, there's, I don't know what kind of hope there is for you. I looked at Trump as being like the firewall, okay? And and having a little bit of a computer background, let me give you a little computer analogy. Give me a computer analogy. You know, Trump to me was the firewall, and and the hackers are the Democrats, Uh okay? And here they are trying to hack into... The, the, in, into the rest of America, to, yeah. to the rest of us. And it was Trump that was stopping, that, that was basically blocking those attacks by taking it on himself. Now, I'm not calling him the savior. I'm not. Okay. All I'm saying is that they were attacking him to get to us. Okay? And he was, and he was taking it. There's a reason why they tried to impeach him, was it, three times. You know, no other president in history has been impeached like that or been treated in that manner. Um. But I think it was it was all done, or what he did was was to, was to defend us. He was putting himself on the line to defend the rest of the country, and the Democrats just took advantage of that. Um, but you know, just like how George W. Bush was the right person at the right time it, when when the towers fell, I think Trump was the right person at the right time when he came on the scene, because look at what we accomplished under Trump as president. Okay, we restored the the dignity that America had on the world scene. Yeah, um, we we increased the size of our military and and, re, and returned them to spending levels that we needed to um, to to be able to accomplish uh, to to be able to um, fight the wars that we had in Af- Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, knows um, North Korea wasn't launching you know freaking ICBMs every single day. We we finally had some 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 peace over there to a certain extent. Our allies were, were, were fairly happy with us. And so Trump was Trump came at the right time. I don't think Trump could have won the presidency at any other time in American history except right then. Well, you know, there was a lot of talk and a lot of discussion before the uh, election before where they were asking and people were trying to, you know, prod him into getting into the race. Yes. Donald Trump didn't do anything uh, without uh, without being prepared. Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything unless he knew. He's one of those guys that he's not going to place a bet unless he knows he's going to win. Sure. So the 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 period of time, the the race before that, even though they had so many people that were on him to try to run for uh, the presidency, he turned it down. Mm-hmm. And I think he knew that it wasn't his time. Yep. Next time came along, he told everybody up front, "I will win." He was as confident about it as if he had had a, a crystal ball and saw into the future. And I was just looking over there a, a minute ago, trying to you know look at the ties between um, you know the Clintons, the negative ties, and one of the first things that I came up with was the ties of Jeffrey Epstein to Terry McAuliffe. Terry McAuliffe was one of the key figures in the Clinton Foundation when Jeffrey Epstein was donating the money through him to the foundation. Interesting. How about that? Yeah. So there's all kinds of ways to draw ties to these nefarious people um, who we know do. Do not have our country's best interest at heart. No, well, they had their own. I mean, j- just look at what Hillary Clinton did when she was Secretary of State. Yeah. Okay. You know, she she harped on Trump about being CEO of the Trump Organization while he was president, right? So he yeah. gave up his 
I forget how it all went down, but he basically he gave he up. signed he, over power to Eric and uh, correct uh, uh, Don Jr. But she gave him crap about it, right? Yeah. But yet she herself, while she was Secretary of State, dealing yep. with other countries, yep, maintained her position as a leader of the Clinton Global Initiative. Yeah. And it's interesting that she go after a country, she'd go over there, talk to him on behalf of the U.S., and suddenly after she leaves, the Clinton Global Initiative would suddenly find itself. 20, 30, hundred million dollars richer from the country she just got done visiting. Yeah. Yeah. So I coincidence, mean, the, the, the corruption is so di- deep and wide and so thick. Um, and it, uh, it leads back to Terry McAuliffe. So when we're talking about stuff like education, yeah. Do you think for a second that you can believe anything that comes out of Terry McAuliffe's mouth? Um, and, and all this back double talk, he's trying to say that they took it out of context about what he said about the parents not being able to, uh, uh, he didn't think that the parents should have say so in what their education system teaches their children. Can't trust anything he says. No, he's going to double talk it to death because we're getting less than thirty days out from the from the uh, from the election. Let me let me give a message out to um, to Terry to Scary Terry. Scary okay? Terry and, and and Scary Terry, if you're listening, which I'm sure that you are not listening, you probably have your <laughs> your lackey listening. But so the lackey of Scary Terry, please take note. If you have intelligence enough to be able to write down the the Liberty Room, L I B E R T Y R O O M Room. Yeah. So Dot there com. you go. Yeah. You dipshit. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. No, but here's here's what, here's what I want Scary Terry to understand. Say what you mean, mean what you say. If you don't yeah. want things taken out of context, say exactly what you mean. So I'm gonna say something that I mean right now. Okay. Terry, you do not support parents. No. It's apparent by your statement you are against parents having control of what their kids learn. There's no walking that back. There's no, no trying to massage it. It's crystal clear. Okay? Um, our Attorney General, uh, Merrick Garland, is crystal clear that you intend to weaponize the FBI against parents. Yes. Who are standing up for their children. Yes. It is crystal clear that you want to call us all domestic terrorists. Yes. There is no other way to interpret anything you said. If you meant something different, you should have said it. And people need to pay attention. I mean, you, you bring up a good point there. Um, you know, they're, they're weaponizing the attorney general's office. Yes. You know, and it's so funny how they, uh, how they are the first to say, that uh, Donald Trump was was weaponizing those departments uh, that led up to January sixth. Yeah, you know they're so quick to to harp on it, but just like we talked about on Wednesdays with Jim, you realize how many of these departments have their own police force? Sure. Well, look at the IRS, the IRS, the Postal Service, yeah. all, all the, the the Department of Health. Yeah, you know, they all do. They all have their own police departments, and uh, the IRS right now is doing the same thing that they did during the Obama years when they were. Uh, uh, denying tax breaks to conservative uh, 501c3 Remember organizations. Lo- Lois Lerner? Lois Lerner, who yeah. got a little slap on the hand. Um, she, she still no, got her retirement. She still has a retirement, you know. Um, but, you know, now they're going to start looking to your bank accounts. Well, now, if you disagree with people like Terry and you go before that school board and you tell them you disagree or you try to, you know, to uh, to, to protest or start a movement um, to support what's right in your community. Well, now not only is 
the, uh, um, uh, the attorney general's office is going to come at you for that hate speech and harassment against the teachers. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, the IRS police are going to start looking at your bank accounts a little bit more. And if you put anything more than $600 in your bank account, well, guess what? They're going to come after you. Yep. Every one of these police forces, you know, the, the Postal Service Police Department is going to start going through your mail. Well, they already are, but yes. Okay, so now let's go back to that article I read about that gentleman who survived a concentration camp and what he said is going on in our country we need to pay attention to. History repeats itself. Nothing happening today is new. No, it's, it's new not. to us because none of us have... I mean, Jim, you and I have never been oppressed like the Jewish people were with, no. with, with, with Nazi Germany, right? No, okay. well, not just with Nazi Germany, but... Well, throughout history. The Jews have been the most oppressed people throughout all of history, I mean, all the way back to biblical times. Through five, well, yeah, I mean, through five major world empires, they've been yeah. slaves. Oh, absolutely. Okay? As a black person, I have no idea what slavery actually is. I was never a slave. Yeah. Okay? So none of us today understand. We don't really understand and know. But what's happening today has been, it's been repeated in the past. Mm-hmm. And what happened in the past happened before that. It, it, and so we need to start looking back and saying, okay, how do we not repeat the how past? Many, how many times do you have to stick your finger in the electrical socket to, before you realize that if I stop doing this, it'll stop shocking me? Yeah. Unfortunately, some people <laughs> need to be shocked multiple times to get the message. <laughs> Shock therapy does work, I guess. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> it, when I was growing up, I like to stick copper keys in outlets, and I learned after a couple of times it's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> you started off as a white kid? <laughs> yeah, I was white. I'm black now. <laughs> Burnt to a crisp. <laughs> but but honestly... Mr. Ms. Williams, I didn't mean any of that, I swear. I mean, <laughs> your parents are going to yell at me over that. You're racist, Jim. <laughs> You're probably more black than I am, Jim. Uh, um, <laughs> but, but but back to your back to your point. Um, none of the stuff is new. Yeah. All right. And and, and if pe- people are sounding the alarm that hey, this has been done before, we're following the exact same formula that was done yeah. before. Yeah. Only here's a, here's the interesting part. It, it seems like today we're even more willing to give up our liberties and freedoms than b- ever before. Insanity. I mean, I'm pretty certain that when, when, the, when the Jewish people were being oppressed by the Nazis, they weren't, while they didn't want to be oppressed, from my reading and my research on, on the subject, they weren't willingly just giving, giving up their rights. Yeah. But here we are as Americans willing to, when the government mandates them, oh, we got to follow it. Yeah. Oh, we got to put that mask on. Oh, we got to get that vaccine. Oh, you can't travel unless you have the shot. Yeah, well, you well, know. Who's the government to tell me what to do? It just goes to show, you know, and, and when you look at it completely objectively, I got asked one time in one of my college classes, um, you know, uh, me being a military guy, so it was one of the history classes, who was one of my favorite people in history to, to study and read about, and I said General Jap, G-I-A-P, General Jap. He was the head of the North Vietnamese Army during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. All right, was he our enemy? Yes, he was our enemy, but was he a brilliant military status, uh, strategist? And was he uh, uh, just fluent in military history? Absolutely he was. He was, he was brilliant when it came to that sort of thing. You know? Um, so, and everybody looked at me kind of funny. How could you, you know, look, uh, admire somebody? Uh, you know, I'm being completely objective here. Mm-hmm. His skill and ability has nothing to do with my love for my country and how I would have fought against him if I had been in that war. 
You know, so when you go back and look at what John Dewey de- done in, in the 30s on our education system, when he followed Lenin's plan to the letter on how to institute the education system in America, Lenin was a genius. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because was. everything that he said, he said it's a trickle that turns to a creek, that turns to a river, that turns to an ocean. The only way you're going to take it down is that slow trickle and let it build. It's going to take time. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And holy cow, look at what's going on today. And he can be nothing but a genius because the plan he put in place, you know, 80, 90 years ago or helped facilitate 90 years ago is now coming to fruition right in front of our eyes. Yeah. Well, then that, that slow trickle, I think they skipped the, the, the river and the creek, <laughs> went, went from ocean. trickle to the freaking ocean. <laughs> Class five rapids right into the ocean. Yeah, tsunami. <laughs> I mean, you know, I really think the, the, the great biblical flood is next. Um, but yeah, it, it was a trickle. We saw that happen throughout history. And that's the reason why the left is so ingrained in our education system. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't overnight. It was... You know, let's get let's let's let, let's get let's put people in the, in education. Let's make them teachers, make them professors. Let's yeah. make them, you know, educators. Make them administrators of schools. And here we are, 50, 60 years later, and the liberal left owns our education system. So here's some homework for you. All right. Okay. Anytime, anytime I talk about the education system, of course, you get some teacher that gets you know. Uh, gets their panties in a wad, male sure. or female, or uh, non-binary, other. or whatever it is. Um, you know, they get they get their panties in a wad, and like, well, Virginia is not a teacher union state. Mm-hmm. All right, you ever heard of the Virginia Education Association? Yes. Okay. Did you know that the city of Waynesboro has its own chapter, the Waynesboro Education Association? I didn't know that. Go to the Waynesboro Education Association. Look at the members who are on the education. There's 48 of them. Okay. All right, and go through and look at each individual one and tell me what politics they are. Okay. Let me guess. They're all Republican. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) But thank you for playing. (laughs) All right. Now, there may be one or two in there, but the ones who are obvious are blatantly obvious, and it's the majority of them um, who are not necessarily politically affiliated with me or yourself. Oh, so they don't listen to Wednesdays with Jim? Uh, if they do, they sit there and grind their teeth and cuss and throw stuff at their computer, I'm sure. You know? But when you look at it, maybe the Virginia is not a union state, but that union influence is as deep in Virginia as it is, and that's just another oh, sure. one of those ways to deflect the truth when, they, when, you start, when we start talking about this stuff. Is Virginia a teacher union state? No, it's not. Not officially. Not officially. Not officially. Well, I, I remember reading more about them when um, the whole thing came to light about the the, the transsexual bathroom issue here. Yep. Because I, I believe it was the union that was that was helping to push it. They helped to yep. write yep. the um uh the 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 bylaws of some yep. of sorts for all schools to follow. Yeah. Um, and it's like, why would the teachers' union, which does again officially has no power in Virginia. Right. Why did they have a hand in any of this? Just like the NEA was just a teacher's association. Just a big club. Virginia now has the same club. Funny how that extension of that arm reaches into the old dominion. Yeah. You know? Ooh, conspiracy. I'm sensing Bohemian Grove. <laughs> Belizean here. Grove here. Well, that yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, that was something I did on my own. And actually where I got that, where I first started... Where that light bulb went over, went off over uh, the Lord Reverend's head, <laughs> <laughs> um, was when we went um, 
to the meeting at uh, at the middle school there for the city council meeting. Okay. And the woman got up and introduced herself from the Waynesboro Education Association. Oh. And started talking to them about how they wanted to be more of a viable role, wanted to play more of a viable role in city government in order to help the education system. No. And if uh, if we hadn't done the podcast on the education system, talking about the NEA lobbying to the U.S. government, mm-hmm. that probably wouldn't have ta- wouldn't have flashed a red light in my face. Sure. But as soon as she put it out there and, put, and said who she was, where she was from, who she's affiliated with, and what her intention was about how they're there to help. Where else we heard about people coming to help? Oh, the government says uh, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So when she said that, that immediately threw off red flags to me, and I started doing a little research, went and looked at their website, looked and see who they were affiliated with, and then I started looking at the members of the Waynesboro Education Association, and it seemed to form patterns. Interesting. How about that? You know, the one thing about that is with them being a union, and I am not a union person. I, I am, I guess, by default, Against unions. Okay. Now, I understand the reason behind them. Sure. Okay. And and there are reasons like, you know, let's say you're being, your entire industry is being underpaid. Hey, okay. I, you're talking to a guy that grew up in coal mine country. My whole family were United Mine Workers. Okay. At one time, yes, there was a reason to have right. a union in order to get safer working conditions, decent pay. Correct. Um, I've told you a million times how I grew up in a company house. Mm-hmm. I shopped at the company store. I went to school at the company school. I can tell you how the United Mine Workers um, uh, improved the life of these people and extended the life of them in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and got them incredible benefits because like my grandfather who died of black lung, mm-hmm. um, you know, those coal mines, after he stopped working in those coal mines 30 years later, they, they still killed him, mm-hmm. right? you know, from the black lung. So yeah, there, there, there have been times in history where unionizing has made sense and has worked. But the most part now, unions are there um, to pad the pockets of the people who run the unions. Well, I, I look at like uh, United Auto Workers, UAW, right? So yeah. years ago, I found out, you know, as, as a child, I knew about unions and I understood what their purposes were and everything. Sure. But, you know, you look at the UAW, one of the largest unions in the country, because if you build a car, whether you're with Ford or General Motors or, or whatever, you're a union worker, right? And, I, you know, this is back when, remember when... Um, uh, uh, the, the stock market crashed and, you know, the great recession happened. Was it 2009 or whatever mm-hmm. it was? Okay. And I, I, for, I forget the name of the guy who was the union, the UAW boss, but it came out what his annual salary was. It was like, um, don't quote me a million dollars a year. And they had their <laughs> own UAW sanctioned golf course. Yeah. And I was thinking, Oh, wait a minute. You have a bunch of auto workers Okay, blue collar workers yeah. who work hard every single day on the factory floor, 12, 15 hours a day, whatever. Yep. They're paying union dues. Okay, these guys, they make a decent living, but they're not making, you know, they're not living the high life. Yeah. They're paying their union dues. And, you know, you've got a, the union boss is making a million dollars a year. And he gets to play on a $15 million golf course. Yeah. And it, it just cemented in my mind these unions are not out to their members. It's no. in it for itself. Sure. It has evolved from supporting the people to now supporting and feeding itself. Mm-hmm. I'm in the aviation industry. The airlines are all union run. Okay. You know, why? What do we need a union for? Okay. If, if, a, if a company pays its people, you know, um, uh, fairly, we, need, we don't need a union. 
There's, there's absolutely no reason for it. Again, it's one thing if it was to help people get a fair pay or get fair, fair days, fair wit, fair pay for a day's wait or for days, whatever word I'm Wages. looking for. for days. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. What you just said. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but that's not what they're there for anymore. Not anymore. They're self-serving. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And just as a side note, um, yes. you're talking about the golf course? Yes. Um, guess who's playing in a golf tournament this coming week? Is it my favorite hillbilly? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Man, you're moving on up. No, I am playing in a golf tournament uh, for Foles of Honor, which uh-huh. is a great veterans uh, helping organization. Um, and it is now a, uh, a celebrity golf tournament. Wow. You know why it's a celebrity golf tournament? Because you're playing. Because I'm there, baby. Yeah, that's right. The Jim Wood. <laughs> so everybody's seeing good vibes to me because I am a I suck at golf, but I am going to play in a tournament on this coming week for a very good charity, very good uh, very good cause. So Folds of Honor is a great organization. Yes, it is. One of the few veteran organizations that I, I really kind of believe in. There's too many of them out there that um, are just money hustlers, and uh, Folds yeah. of Honor is not one of them. They uh, actually do good stuff, so... I've seen so, their ads a lot on Fox News and yeah. Newsmax. And so everybody wish me luck in the golf tournament. I'm partnering with a very good uh, golf pro. Mm. Um, Tiger Woods? There's a foursome. No, a gentleman by the name of Eric Cobb. Um, and uh, he, he Well, played, he's probably Tiger Woods compared to you. Uh, yeah, well, Eric Cobb is he's, – he, he's – listen – we're on the number one team because we got Eric Cobb, not because I'm there. <laughs> I'm there for comic relief, all right? <laughs> Whether I mean for you to laugh at me or not on the golf course, they're all going to laugh. But me and my buddy Lou are partnering up with Eric and one of his partners, and uh, we're going to play in this tournament this week. So everybody wishes good luck, all right? Well, well good, good luck, thoughts. Good thoughts. But I have some. I have a tip for you. Yes. Okay, here's what you do. I'm going to tell you how you can uh, hit the ball better and just do better in general, okay? Uh, okay, hold on. Let me get in my zen spot. I don't know which button that is, but we'll, we'll call it, we'll, we'll. Here, we'll just do this one. All right. All right. Um, are, are you good now? Um, all right, hit me with it. Okay. Um, Imagine that the ball is a Democrat um, and you're hitting it as hard as you can with a club um, to see how far a Democrat would get. Um, look at Pelosi go. That's right. See how high she can fly over the golf course. Is this this is this the? Um, oh wait, she Bob- landed in the hazard. Is this the Bobby Boucher method of golf? I have no idea who Bobby Boucher. You've never is. seen the Adam Sandler movie? Uh yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, okay. Waterboy. Yeah, okay, okay. I Just you have to reference. visualize. Yeah. I was thinking more Shooter McGavin. <laughs> Shooter McGavin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I saw the actor recently in their movie. And that's why I have Shooter McGavin on my mind. Yeah. See, I just asked for good wishes and good luck. And here I turn all of a sudden, I'm, I'm Shooter McGavin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to help no, you out. No, I, 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 and you always are and is greatly appreciated. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad you appreciate right. that. And no, I was not advocating violence on Democrats. I just said envision. Imagine. I mean... Imagine if you will. Imagine if you will. <laughs> a now, time and a place. No, you know what? I, I'm. Everyone uh, needs motivation. Yeah. Uh, well, and everyone's motivated in different ways. Yeah. Hey, I got a I got a golf pro on my team. I'm I'm motivated. I bet you are. Yeah. I get to drive the cart. Hey, y'all doing? <laughs> Come on, get the cart girl over here. I need a sandwich. Uh, um, but are you gonna drink and drive or just drive? Well, I'm not a big drinker. You know, a little social every now and then. Not a big drinker, but. Um, um, I figure if I'm contained on the golf course, mm-hmm. 
that I should be all right. Now, what if the uh, golf course cops pull you over? What are you going to do? I'm the Jim Wood. You're just going to flash your business card? The They'll Jim be Wood? Like, Don't, they know who I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might get a police escort to the next hole. How about <laughs> they that? I would. No, I they would. Blue lights and all. Uh, y'all, clear out, clear out. Uh, the, the Jim Wood is here now. It's his turn to, to, to hit around, whatever the phrase is. Now teeing up at hole number one. <laughs> now batting. <laughs> anyway, so back to back to the unions. I just had to put that little plug in there just because it's a good organization and it's going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. And uh sun's supposed to be shining that day too. Good weather. So I'm even looking, better. I'm looking forward to it. Um yeah. so anyway, um yeah, what you were saying about unions, yeah, no. Uh, unions I'm a little bit different because there are a place for a union, but just like a lot of things, just like government um, just like banks, just like a lot of things, they have been able to grow so big that it has bred the corruption. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's up to everybody. This is where we say you can't be lazy. You can't just be passive and let life uh, rule you. You, yeah. have to, you have to make your own path in life. And if you're, if you're an auto worker in Michigan or in Kentucky or in Alabama, uh, where a lot of these big major uh, manufacturing plants are, if you're part of the mine workers, if you're working in, in eastern Kentucky or southwestern Virginia or, or any part of West Virginia or Pennsylvania mm-hmm. or even out in the flatlands out in, in Montana and places where they mine copper and, and uh, all kinds of different minerals, it's up to you to make sure that your uh, representatives from those unions – you know, stay on the straight and narrow because when they start growing so big, that's when they find it's very easy for it to be all about them. Yeah. And that's when it changes what the definition of a union is supposed to be. Well, that's why you need things like even term limits, not only just in politics, but even your union. Absolutely. I mean, when you've got a union boss that's been up there for 20, 30 years, you know, they're in it for yeah. themselves. Yeah. I oh. mean, we, we use Waynesboro all the time because that's what we know. That's where we're mm-hmm. at. As, right. as you know, when people got more involved in the Waynesboro Republican Committee, we went from a, a committee of 12 people to a committee of over 90 people and still growing. Yep. When people actually saw what was happening, when they got involved, when they became members, when they started getting out and working on behalf of what they believe in, look what it's done to our city. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and right now, I'm telling you, if you're listening to this and you're one of those liberals on the school board or you're one of those liberals on the city council, we know that you're worried. Yeah, and you should be worried. You know, because you're about you're about to lose your position. We're coming for you. Yeah, and I, I, I don't care if you take that as a threat or not. That is exactly what's going to happen. We are going to unseat you. We are going to unseat you. We will never, as long as me or Dwight or our friend Danny or Craig or Sandy or Becca or any of the executive members or people who are, um, you know, working hard on our committee, (coughs) excuse me, on our committee, as long as we continue at the pace we're at, the city of Waynesboro, Virginia will never leave a seat unopposed. That's right. And not only that, we, you know, we're, we're looking at ways that we can help be a, 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 the foundation for our candidates, Mm -hmm. a, a, a support group to where, you know, we're all in it together and we're going to make sure we don't lose our city like we came as close to possibly losing as we as we did in the past few years. You know, I was down in Lynchburg today and there's a real quick story. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was dropping some some brochures off, um, some voter guides, and I was talking to um, one of the ladies that was working inside the headquarters and she made a comment to me that when I showed up and I told her what we had done in Waynesboro, because she had no idea. We were, we were just standing there talking and 
I told her, I said, you know, in Waynesboro, we flipped our city council. So we what we took our committee from 12 to 90, and three months later, we took our city council from three to two blue to three to two red. And here we are, we're going to extend that next year and make it four one red. And then hopefully two years later after that, we take over five nothing. Sure. Okay. But she told me she was sitting there at the headquarters. And she said, you know, I was really depressed because she says I was listening to all these people talking about how people can, how they're voting now. They're, they're, they can just go to a ballot box in the middle of the city and drop their ballot in. There's no security. And I was getting depressed. I just wanted to quit. She said, Dwight, when you came in and told, told me what you all did in Waynesboro, I feel like I can keep going. And I said, Good. I said, you're not alone. I said, we're, we're all dealing with the same thing here. It's just in our own little microcosms. You're dealing with Lynchburg. Okay. I'm working with Waynesboro. Okay, yeah. we're trying to make our little microcosm the best we possibly can. And and, and we have. We've seen so much um, progression yeah. from a conservative perspective in the city that we got to keep that going. Yeah. And, and for other cities to see what we're doing, I hope that we are a good influence on people. Yeah. Because if we can do it, anyone can do it. But it takes hard work. You just can't sit back and rest on your laurels. You have to get out there. You have to knock on your doors. You've got to run for city council or run for the school board. You know, you and I were talking about um, trying to woo some other people into running for, for, for school board. Sure. You know, we got to figure out how we can entice them to do it. We can't just ask them. It's okay. We, gotta, we may have to convince them. How do we convince them? It's stuff like that that we just can't sit back and wait for it to happen. We have to get aggressive. We have to be involved. Yeah. That's what the left does. The left is aggressive. They find people, they run them, they win. Republicans, we just sit back and kind of, well, I hope you run. I hope somebody runs. Gee, you know, I look at Facebook and I see, you know, I'm in a in a in a in a a, a, a group um, um, on about parents here in the in the county and the city, and I see all these parents on there complaining about this and complaining about that. And my responsible thing is, well, what are you doing? Yeah, are, are you actually getting involved? Where you can make a difference, just getting online and moaning and complaining about it's not going to say not going to change anything. Yeah, you've got to get involved with your local committee. Get involved with the run for 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 the school board, run for city council. Get to know who your mayor is. Get to know who your superintendent is. Are you talking to them regularly, or are you just coming home from work and playing Candy Crush all night? Well, there's a lot of committees out there who've kind of lost sight as to what the responsibilities are. Right. And I think that's one thing that we've done here that has uh, actually helped light uh, enlighten some folks. Because it's not just to hand out flyers when you're told to. Yep. It's not just to set up rallies and go decorate a, on election day. Mm-hmm. No, it's about finding good candidates. It's about letting those candidates know. I know we talked to one lady here locally, um, and I'll say her first name, Lisa. Joe <clears throat> Walter. Um, <laughs> you know, we talked to Lisa about running for uh, for school board at one point, and the way she referred to it is is how you know she didn't know her as an individual was up to it, and that's what the attitude is with a lot of people when it comes to uh, being a part of of local city government uh, in places like the school board, which is you know kind of the topic of conversation. We have to, as a committee, and every committee out there has to let their candidates know that we are your support group. You're not doing this by yourself. We're going to bring you the resources. We're going to help put you with the right people to answer the questions that you have. 
Sure. You know, you represent the people from your district in that school system. Well, the people of that district are there as your support group, and that's what your committees are supposed to rally. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we're doing here in Waynesboro that a lot of other committees are out there. So if you're from an outside area and you want to be part of that committee, then that's the things you've got to take to that committee floor with you. Your willingness to be able to be that support group for those candidates, not just pick the candidates, but be there to hold them up, lift them up, and encourage them along the way and find them the resources they need to make the best qualified decisions they can as your representative. Well, you and I, I mean, you and I have kind of demonstrated that. We, we are good friends with um, a local politician. I won't mention her name. And Which, which one? Lana. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> I'm not going to mention Lana Williams' name. You're so easy. I know. I know. I'm not <laughs> hi, the... Hi, Lana. Yeah, hi, Lana. We love you. But, hey, you know, all three of us talk all the time. Sure. Why is that? Well, because, number one, she's a representative to all of us in the city. She's the vice mayor, right? That's Correct. the first thing. But number two, number two, she's a friend of ours. Correct. Okay. Number three, she's a member of our committee. Correct. And number four, it's our job to, if we put her there, we now have to support. Absolutely. If she needs to be able to talk through something. Yeah. She can call. Well, she she knows we are that support group. Absolutely. You know, in our community, we are known as leaders of our party. Well, you are. I'm, I'm just a worker, so. Well, you, you're guilty by association. How about that? Okay, fine. <laughs> no, you're Lord very Reverend. much. You're very much as much of this as as I am, or Danny, or any any of the rest of us. You know, and as as representatives, as, as leaders of their community, as we've been put in that position by the people who have faith in us. Yep. Who? What kind of jerk would I be to to put my own personal twist on that instead of doing? you know, what is being asked of me by the people who have that faith in me. Mm-hmm. That's such an important responsibility that people need to understand. Um, the only thing you have in life is your reputation. That's right. You know, and what people, you know, you, you may think, I don't care what people think about me. Everybody does. Mm-hmm. You can be that hard ass all you want to and go, I don't care what people think about me, but you still go home at night and it bothers you. Yeah. And if you tell me you don't, you're lying. Mm-hmm. You know, so when I got involved in Waynesboro and all of a sudden people started referring to me as the general of the Redneck Army and stuff like that, you know, it's all kind of fun. But when you look back at those people, they count on you to be their representative, to be their mouth, to be their their words that they may not be able to know how to express. Okay, well, I told you earlier tonight when I was over at another um, headquarters, mm-hmm. uh, one of the ladies there recognized me from this podcast. Yes. I'd never met her before in my life. Yeah. And she's like, I know exactly who you are. Right. And of course, this is my first time. Now, <laughs> D. Jim Wood gets it all the time. For me, it's my first. Yeah. But when I walked away, I kind of thought and said, wow, You're you so know what? cute. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Women love me. Yeah. Um, but it cemented in my mind that, you know what? This is a big responsibility. Yeah, it is. You know, we are, what you and I are doing in this podcast is we're trying to educate people. I'm not doing this to get big and bad and become famous. You yeah. know, I'm doing this because I want to educate people and I want to be a part of making my district, my city, my county better. Yeah. And this is one of my ways of doing it. Sure. Right. I serve the party. I do this. I do other things. Um, by the way, when I was in another, another headquarters tonight, there's a lady there, followed me out to my truck, told me I should run for higher office and I'd be awesome at it, you know? Yeah. And I said, you know what, that you never know what's going to happen. 
Okay. But in the back of my mind, if George Washington. Yeah. Okay. Who had never led a country before. Yeah. Could run this country as president. So brilliantly. So brilliantly. That means I've got a good chance to do the same thing too. Well, that's because people like George Washington set our system up. So the everyday man. Could do it. Could do it. Yeah. Absolutely. And all I'm saying is it doesn't take a rocket scientist to run the country, to run a city, to run a committee. It takes somebody who has the passion and the desire to do so. Right. Okay. Not for themselves. Yeah. But for the people they serve. Yep. You know, and that's the important part. And that's where most people have lost sight of. It's all what's in it for me. Right. What's in it for me. You know, everybody gives me a hard time about my schedule. Seven days a week. Uh, right around 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. That's my every day of my life. You've made comment about it. You, you know, everybody kind of jokes and gives me a hard time about it, but that's just who I am. That's the way I've always been. And I don't see anything other than normal. You can sleep when you're dead. That's exactly right. But you know, what happens? There's times when we schedule, you know, the recording of this podcast at times when most people have been in, sl- bed, in bed asleep for hours. Yep. You know, because I am that American patriot. I know I am in my heart, you mm-hmm. know, I know that I, this is the little bit of extra I have to do to help make my community, my country, my world better. Yep. And you'll and do, and you'll, you'll go that extra step. Everybody has to. Yep. Everybody has to. So, you know, the ball's in your court folks, you know, what if you you're listening do? to this podcast, you, what, what can you do? What's the part that you can add to help build that foundation? Um, you know, that, to, to recreate it. I've I've tried my best not to be a gloom and doom cynic when it comes to what the government is in our country. And we talk about where we can't see anything other than a major event happen in our country that is going to take us back, um, you know, back decades as far as Mm -hmm. as who we are as a country. Um, And that's because we have set back and we have allowed our federal government to be a much bigger, deeper and wider swamp than Donald Trump could have ever imagined. That's right. You know, so at this point, when I say the revolution has started and we're behind, if you heard, if you listen to see watch Wednesdays with Jim, you've heard me say that several times. You know, right now, and except for that that deep dark space, this country could go. The only option I see that we have left is start to rebuild from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard me say secure your perimeter? Uh, that phrase does sound familiar. Yes, secure your perimeter. What's around you, your family, your community, your city, your county, mm-hmm. and work your way out until all these circles meet. But everybody has to secure their perimeter. That's right. You know, and it means running for school board. It means running for city council. It means, you know, uh, running for, for sheriff. Because if you don't secure your perimeter, then you will be invaded. And then when it's then it's going to be too late. Well, the, the Democrats' playbook is to take over. Yeah. They don't care what we have to say. They don't yep. care what we think. They don't want to live in peace with us. No, they don't. They want they don't. what they want, and they will stop at nothing to get it. And they are not. They have no shame in right. going to get it. And while, uh, while the whole time Republicans are sitting back thinking, well, I must be proper. I must do things the right way. I have to be a, a, a goody two-shoes, <laughs> you know? Sometimes it's time to get dirty and take what's yours. You know, on, on the way to, I know we're kind of running out of time, but I'll make this quick. On, on the way to um, Lynchburg when I was driving, something kind of dawned on me. You know, the Democrats have been trying to push this whole, um, uh, the, the raising of minimum wage, right? Yeah. You know, F- and again, $15. $15 an hour. And the whole idea, again, is they're trying to espouse socialism. They want, they want this place to be a socialist 
system. That's one of the the pegs in the platform of Terry McAuliffe. Exactly. And you know, it kind of dawned on me recently that they, they they've gotten their way mm-hmm. unofficially. And here here's where it came down to when this pandemic hit. And again, you know, the, the Democrats' mantra is never let a crisis go to waste. Rahm Emanuel. Okay, Rahm Emanuel. And and they 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 allowed this. They they, they use the COVID virus. They shut everything down. Right. Mm-hmm. And part of the shutdown was they shut down businesses. Yeah. Then they started to pay people to stay at home. Yep. So it became more lucrative for someone to sit at home watching TV and getting a paycheck from the government versus actually getting up and going to work every day. Mm-hmm. Then when they kind of reopened the economy, businesses started saying, okay, everyone come back. Nobody came back. So businesses now had a lack of people. To entice them, what the businesses do? They had to raise their rate, their pay rates. Yeah. And suddenly you've got places like Subway down the street offering to pay $15 an hour. I was in Colorado. They had a sign at McDonald's, $16.50 an hour. The Democrats <laughs> got their way. Yeah. They did it unofficially. And they did it without actually doing the law. They did it by not allowing a crisis go, to go to waste. Yeah. And, and we sat back and we just said, okay, when this ends, we'll recover. When this ends, we're going to do this. They've been, they've been playing by their playbook all along. Yep. We're the ones who've been doing nothing. Yeah. And when you get somebody like Mitch McConnell who sits up there on Capitol Hill and caves to Democrat pressure to get this infrastructure bill passed. Mm-hmm. No wonder why the Democrats are successful in what, in, in getting socialism in this country. Yeah. We're not stopping them. No, we're, we're not. not. We're not even trying. When people like Kirsten Cinema from Arizona and Joe Manchin make the Republicans look, look, they're Democrats and they look more conservative than we do. Yeah. That's sad. Well, you know, uh, let's go to the home of Rahm Emanuel. Okay. I want to make one final point because, you know, there's people who will tell you that there are times in the Jim Woods life when he's had epiphanies that are destined to come to reality. This is one of those times? This is one of those times. Uh, There's many people can tell you that I gave you a complete description. Remember the DC sniper? Yes. The, the terror that was going on around the DC area, um, uh, you know, what, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. to over 20 years ago. Um, I told everybody what was going on. You know, I was watching the shot patterns, watching the groupings, watching how uh, the shots were made, where they were made from. And I told everybody, I said, that's a student, it's two shooters. It's a student and a teacher. Wow. I laid it all out for people. And when it was over and done with, I've got witnesses that will tell you, yeah, that was creepy. He had it exactly right. I told him, I said, he's, they're still in the area because all the surrounding areas, three, four hours away, people were locking stuff down mm-hmm. because they were afraid that they were traveling from outside to inside. No, they're staying inside that perimeter. They're staying inside that belt line. You got two people, you're looking for them. They're roving They're you know, and I gave them the whole, the whole profile. All right. So here's another one of those times that I'm going to give the city of Chicago some vital information. Lori Lightfoot, are you listening? Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago. Kim Fox, district attorney in Chicago right now, are at odds. Yep. Over how to prosecute these gang cases, these shooting cases. Hey, Republicans, there's your crack in the armor. Yeah. You've got Fox that wants to not prosecute them because they were shooting at each other. Right. Not anybody else. Right. And believe it or not, Lori Lightfoot... Uh, across between Beetlejuice and, uh, and Al Sharpton, um, 
You liked that, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <laughs> don't say that three times in a row. What's wrong with you? Like saying Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Stop it. I don't need a Chicago Democrat in my house. Don't worry um, about it. All it's, right. Don't worry about it, Jim. You're fine. I got you. Just make sure you're armed tonight when you go to bed. <laughs> I think there's three by the bed now. <laughs> anyway, and my new golf club that I just gripped. Ooh, um, nice. So, um, you know, as Rahm Emanuel said, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Republicans why you are not waiting to pounce on this inside the city of Chicago right now. There is a ton of independents. There is a ton of Democrats who are sick and tired of this gang violence. These double-digit, triple-digit number, weekend numbers of deaths in your inner city. Yep. Here is your opportunity now to take the city of Chicago back. Rebuild Chicago from the inside out. And right now, while the Democrats are splitting, while they're cracking between the, the district attorney's office, you know that splits the faction in the party Absolutely. inside the city of Chicago. Absolutely. While they're at their weakest, that's when you take them out. Yep. So there you go. I'm telling you, just like I was right about the D.C. sniper, just like I was right that Obama was going to be the next Democratic candidate for a president, I called that one Did you? four years prior when he spoke at the Democratic convention. That was in 2006, wasn't 2006. it? 2006. Yeah. I made that call. He was the keynote exp- speaker one night at the Democrat convention. A young junior senator out of Illinois that, that nobody ever heard of. No one in Illinois even knew who he was. Even After he finished speaking, I learned, uh, turned around to the room full of liberals that I was in, and I said, that's your next presidential candidate. They all said, well, they liked him, but they thought I was nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, Chicago, I'm telling you right now, you've got the opportunity to take your city back. Republicans, get your head out of your fourth point of contact and get to work. That's right. There you go. How's that for a tidbit to close on? That was a very good tidbit. I think so, too. I, I hope the Republicans in Illinois, in Chicago, are listening to you. <sighs> Me, too. Me, too. Because uh, if they don't, Chicago becomes a lost cause. Well. And we're it's practically there. Build that wall around it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like escape from New York. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll build a wall around Manhattan and leave all the inmates in there. All right. Is that where we're going to leave it tonight? Yeah, leave it there. All right. Well, folks, don't forget. TheLibertyRoom.com will lead you to everything Liberty Room, all your podcast providers. That's where you're going to find a link to it. When you get to that link, when you complete that link, make sure you hit that subscribe button and download every week the new episode of The Liberty Room with Jim and Dwight. While you're out there looking around the old World Wide Web, make sure you go over and hit uh, TheJimWood.com. All right? Dwight posted it on the other night, and there was an issue. I had to actually call the domain provider today, and they got it all straightened out. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently computers think for themselves these days. Whoa, whoa, Skynet has gone active. Dude, before we sign off, really, have you seen the new drone they're trying out? No, I have not. It is a drone with legs. Oh. So when it lands, it walks around. It is the creepiest, futuristic-looking thing you've ever seen. It better not land on my property. I'm telling you, it is it is bizarre-looking. I saw it on the news this morning. I'll take that as a research project. Kind of freaked me out a little bit. All right? I bet it did. It was sci-fi right there in front of me. So, yeah. Yeah, Skynet's online. It pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Whereas John Connor. Um, so, <laughs> go to thejimwood.com. The takes you to everything. Uh, Wednesdays with Jim and anything in between. So, between that, between thelibertyroom.com and thejimwood.com, You'll get your full feel of both the Jim Wood and my friend Dwight. You can never have too much of the Jim Wood. (laughs) 
I've been saying that for years. So go download, download and subscribe to Liberty Room today. Be on the lookout. New things are coming. New guests are coming. We're going to make a new world, all right? Yes, we are. It's not what the liberals want. Too bad for them. Everybody have a blessed week. <laughs>